The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob Imrani. Accident or injury, call Jacob Imrani, call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with the great Sue Kalinske. Sue, what's happening? Just, uh, you know, doing the thing, working, working on the dock. It's been fun. Yeah. Explain Starting to people to take what a little the, shape. Yeah. Explain what the dock is. This is the dock about Silver Friedman, who right. uh, Saunders, actually, who was married to Bud Friedman. And, um, you know, he, he got all the credit and uh, no one knows who she is or yeah. was. So, so that's going to change. So that is going to change. And it's Excellent. very exciting. Excellent. Uh, coming up for you, Stephanie Lang is going to join us. She has directed almost all the episodes of one of her favorite shows, Physical, on Apple+. Plus. In the meantime, you know, the other day we were talking about what I did on my summer vacation. Um, I completely neglected two of the places that I went that are remarkable. One is Terranea which we got to stay at for three nights. Oh my God, just absolutely beautiful, spectacular oceanfront room, uh, beautiful restaurants. Uh, we had a restaurant, uh, they've one called Marcel, which is way, way up on a cliff and you're looking out over the ocean. And I mean, the best, one of the best views I've ever had at a restaurant. And then the other one is Mission Inn in Riverside. Have you ever stayed there? No. God, it's so good. It is so good. Beautiful. Uh, it's like a, a Franciscan mission. I think that's the right term, uh, from, uh, from back in the day. And they've totally restored it and turned it into an amazing hotel. And one of the great times to go is Christmas time when they completely, uh, light the place for Christmas. It's crazy. It's a zoo at that point, but during the summertime, it's not quite as hot as Palm Springs. Pool's great. A strong recommend for the mission in you and Tom should check that out. Well, it's on our list now. You know, everybody thinks, oh, I have to go to Europe, you know, to, and, 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 you know, that's, that's the place I have to go to go on vacation. And look, I love traveling out of the country and seeing the world. Yeah. But when we went to Temecula, I sent pictures to people because we went to a winery and my cousin who just got back from Italy said, it looks like you're in Tuscany. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you don't you don't have to go far away to get like a uh, Terranea. I think their slogan is it's Hawaii without ever getting on a plane. Which you know what? There's something something really valuable about something that. to that. Yeah. So I went to see Les Miserables at the Pantages. Did you get a chance to go see it? I did not. Uh, you've seen it though, right? I have not. You've never seen Les Miserables? I never have. It's like one of the top five of all time, for me at least. No, I never saw it. I just, I don't know. I mean, when I lived in New York, I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't know why I never saw it. I just, it played just for haven't. like 30 years on Broadway. It's like, it I, was had, cats. I had ample opportunities. Yeah, it was the cats of the French Revolution. That's what it was. <laughs> so, uh, and I, it, we were talking the other day. Have you ever done cryo? 
cryotherapy where you go into this really cold like freezer situation um it's it reduces inflammation and speeds up your metabolism affects your mood all this stuff have you ever tried it no but i did john cryer therapy oh john cryer therapy that's interesting did that involve charlie sheen or was that without charlie oh it was out charlie sheen. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you don't want that would have been a whole therapy. different type of therapy yeah. So I, so you get to pick a song. You're in there for about three minutes and it's 200 below. I'm a- estimating thereabouts. Uh, and so you pick a song and I pick the last song from act one of Les Miserables. And the, the girl that set it up looked at me and like, what? The, people are taking like, you know, lose yourself by Eminem and pink and all these rock songs. I think John Ireland uses the pretenders. Um, I use the end of act one from uh, Miserable, Les Miserables because I can sing it. Um, and you know, Sue, my singing. Well, I was waiting for you to hum a couple of bars. <laughs> <laughs> one more day, another day, another destiny. This never-ending road to Calvary. These men who seem to know my crime will surely come a second time, one day more. See? Sounds exactly like my fair lady. <laughs> That's how you do every song. <laughs> it is, it is, my rendition always has a little bit of Henry Higgins in it. It is. It's got the Henry Higgins filter. A dash of Higgins, exactly. <laughs> so uh, Bowling Green State University, uh, I was been working with Oral Hershiser on this project. He went to Bowling Green and he is in the midst of, well, first of all, he, he went to the wall for Bowling Green so that they could keep their baseball program. Oral pitched at Bowling Green, was actually in my fraternity a little bit before me, but was in my fraternity. Uh, and so he reached out to me. So I'm helping to raise money to build Oral Hershiser Stadium at Bowling Green State University. I'm really, really excited about it. So how did this come about? Did you seek him out or did he find you because he knew that you went to the school? He found me. We've worked together, right? Okay. So so I know Oral pretty well. And he reached out to me because he knew I went to Bowling Green. So uh, that's why I'm involved in it. But I, I think it's a great opportunity. I've not been back to Bowling Green, my university, since... God, it's probably been since the mid nineties. So I think it'll be cool to go back there, get to speak at the school of communications, uh, cut the ribbon on the brand new oral Hershiser stadium. We got a long way to go, but I think it's going to be a really cool project. That's great. Is there going to be some sort of Steve Mason wing? Yes. There's going to be a statue of me outside of it <laughs> with a checkbook writing a check <laughs> singing Henry <laughs> Higgins. <Monday songs>. More. <laughs> So the other night I was at Dodger Stadium and I met Fernando Valenzuela. Mm. Now I've been in town, I've been in this town for 30 plus years and doing sports. I have never in my career met Fernando Valenzuela, which is weird, right? You well, would think I, I've met yeah, every from Sandy Koufax met- to Clayton Kershaw, I met pretty much everybody. Now, were there, I mean, were there opportunities? Like, I mean, you know, here he was at the game. So. Well, he broadcast the game. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, were there other opportunities that just slipped by or you weren't oh. at games where he was at? I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, he's shy mm-hmm. and he doesn't do a lot in English. So like I never had a chance to interview him because he doesn't do very many, if any, 
mm-hmm. English language interviews. So it just never, it just never came together. It just never happened. But uh, you know how I reacted to uh, Fernando Valenzuela? Speechless. I said, hi, nice to meet you, Steve Mason, ESPN. And beyond that, I was just like, I'm with Fernando Valenzuela. I mean, wow. just, just iconic, right? Is there yeah. anybody that you've met that has left you speechless? I actually met Vin Scully. Oh, yeah. When I was, when I was friends with Donna, well, I'm still friends with Donna Candiotti, but when Tom pitched there, I used to go, well, we went to a, a game once yeah. with, with, with Donna. Um, she was friendly with everybody at the stadium. So she went up to the booth a lot. Right. So she took me up to the booth to meet him. Oh, wow. And that was really cool. Were you speechless? Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't really say much to him. I mean, I, you know, hi, Mr. Scully, you know. Hey, Ben, uh, what's the haps? <laughs> um, you know, told him what a fan I was ever since I was a kid, listening to him all these years. And yep. I think I even told him that um, it's the only time when I was driving in my car that if I was in traffic and a game was on, he kept me sane. Like I right. never, I, I didn't mind being in traffic, listening yeah. to him call the yeah. game. Oh, it's amazing. Amazing. Um, I interviewed him a few times and met Finn multiple times. The meeting that I remember the most is when I was with my mom and dad at the, at LAX and Vin Scully was boarding a flight and he was in line. And I said, Hey dad, look over there. That's Vin Scully. And my dad just takes off. He's like going right at Vin. Vin Scully, can I get a picture with you? My dad was the biggest celebrity hound of all time. Like he he wanted to meet everybody, wanted pictures with everybody. I did a Q&A once at Cinema's Palm Door, my old theaters. Andy Garcia was the guest. And I'm telling you, Andy stepped behind me because my dad, after the inter- after the uh, the Q and A was like bum rushing Andy Garcia. He's like, who is that? It's my dad. Don't worry. It's like very, very celebrity oriented. One time at Dodger Stadium, Pat Sajak was walking by. He grabbed his arm and said, "Hey, Wheel of Fortune." And I thought, oh my god, he <laughs> he calls out Wheel of Fortune to Pat Sajak. Just ridiculous. He was so, a goofy so- old man. So did you have to kind of give him a little talking to before you would bring him to events or it, it, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered. I found it to be fun. Yeah. So it's just never, part of him. Yeah. I never, it was, it was kind of who he is. I've told this story so many times, but I, I'll tell it, I'll tell it to you. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Um, my dad loved getting autographs at baseball parks. And so um, he was in Pittsburgh. And I guess it was Three River Stadium then. And the Mets were in town. And my dad just loved the 85 Mets. And he loved all those guys, right? And he wanted a baseball autograph by all of the 1985 Mets. So my dad goes to the railing. Him and a bunch of fourth graders are at the railing trying to get interviews or trying to, trying to get autographs. So my dad sees Daryl Strawberry. And he starts yelling, Straw! Hey, Straw! Straw! And finally, Daryl Strawberry, so annoyed, says, okay, I'll just, I'll go over there and get that guy's autograph for him. So he goes over and he's ready to sign his autograph. And my dad says, send Strawberry over here. I don't have him yet. So 
he just wanted Gooden to get Strawberry to come over to the railing. So wait a minute. I, I, oh, he wanted Gooden to come over. He wanted Gooden to come over. So he's yelling straw, straw, because he wants Strawberry to come over to tell Gooden to come over. Oh, my, dad. my God. Just a goofball. Just a goofball. And what did Strawberry do? Strawberry went back and told <laughs> Gooden, this guy's annoying me. And Gooden came back and gave him the autograph. Oh, my God. My That's dad got his way a lot. Well, he was very kid-like. Yes. Okay, last thing for you here. Ready? I put, a, mm-hmm. I put together a list of things, and I'm down to the last thing. We are planning a skydiving adventure. It's not a station event. It's just me and whoever wants to go skydiving. We're going to do it sometime in the next month. And I want to know, Sue, first of all, have you ever been skydiving? Look at me. What do you think? (laughs) Well, you strike me as a potential skydiver. No, No, I have never. First of all, I'm petrified of heights. Yeah. And I, it's too, it's, it's too risky for me. I, I, I'd be too scared. Like so I have not, never, like I've never bungee jumped or oh, even gone on one of those. What is it? Those, uh, what are those things that you do when you're in Costa Rica? Oh, go, uh, zip lining. Zip line. I've never yeah. done zip line. No, that, I'm not that. So you're just not adventurous. Well, I'm not adventurous that way. Yeah. Where my I've been life zip lining, be bungee jumping and skydiving already. No. No. no interest. No interest at all. Well, you now you have I'm... to you have to go tandem though with somebody. Yeah, I'm going to go tandem. The the first time I went, it was not tandem. Really? It was a solo I... jump. I thought that they didn't allow that the first time. So they have this thing called a static court, and so when you jump out of the plane, as soon as the static cord runs out, it pulls the chute for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm, it's just, I. Come on, Sue, where's your spirit of adventure? I just, no. it's just so scary to me. How high yeah. up are you? 5,000. Oh, no, uh, higher. I, I don't know the exact number, but uh, I jumped from 5,000 feet before. This is higher because there'll be a, a free fall. The most adventurous thing I've ever done above the ground is I went parasailing. Oh, that's and fun. I, and I had to be talked into that. But it was kind of on a dare because I was I was doing stand up with another comedian and he dared me to do it. I said, I'll go first. I did it. And then he didn't do it. <laughs> really? Yes. So he chickened out after you did it. Yes. Uh, and did you was it a good experience? It was a really good experience. Yeah. Yeah. But, then, you know, you see these videos of people parasailing and the, the wind takes them and they crash into a building. Sure, it can you know? happen. It yeah, can happen. I, I know. I mean, it can, ha- you know, look, you walk across the street, you get hit by a car. Exactly. But, um, what I loved about it was that it was so quiet. Mm. I mean, I had no idea what to what the experience was going to be. And we were high, but we weren't that high. Right. And I didn't hear a thing. Thing. It was just peaceful up there? Completely peaceful. Now, yeah. don't you want the peacefulness in an airplane as you're about to jump out of it? Just the idea of jumping out of a plane. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to, when I do this, I'm going to put a GoPro mm-hmm. on like my, I don't know, helmet or whatever that is. Um, and then I'm going to show the video on uh, the Culture Pop podcast. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So that would be fun, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, So that was the last thing on my list. Did you have anything on your list? 
No, but I, I wanted to ask you a question because this is something that um, I was talking to uh, our good buddy Kathy Ladman about yesterday. Okay. So uh, you're not a big Facebook person, are you? I mean, do not you a big fan. I, I Instagram and uh, and Twitter, but no Facebook very much. Okay, because I was saying to her that there are times when um, I'll post something. Yeah, and. It's really, really funny. And it's not, it, it doesn't even particularly have to be my joke, but I just post something really funny. And you get likes from certain people. Yeah. And it's like, really? Like, you couldn't give it up? Like, you wonder why they're not giving it up. What do you mean giving it up? To give you a laugh. Oh, I see. But you don't like the likes or you do like the likes? No, I don't. I just think that they're they're under performing you know when they're commenting <laughs> so you think a like isn't enough you want a comment no i'm not a comment i want someone to put like a you know like a laugh like a haha or a or a smiley face or you know aha basically oh okay so, sometimes it. sometimes i don't and I, I said to her does it annoy you she said it doesn't annoy me she said but i she said that she just feels that people are just some people just are purposefully not gi- not giving it up you know, hmm, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, and maybe it's, you know, from the days of being a stand up. Yeah. When you're doing your act and you want and it, feedback. Well, there was always that one person that was in eye shot. Yeah. That would just be sitting there with their arms folded, you know, and not laughing. And everybody else is laughing, but that one person isn't laughing. And of course, you always focus on that one person. Um, and it's like, seriously, like you want to look at the person and say, what's your problem? Right. How, right. How do you not laugh at that? But okay, whatever. so I guess it's fair to say if you follow Sue on Facebook <laughs> and she puts a joke up, please, please comment, <laughs> ha ha. No, I don't. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want charity. You don't want pity laughs. No, I don't want that. No, no, it's got to. It's got to come. It's got to come from within. Exactly. All right. Well, here we go. Our guest today has directed twenty three episodes for a show that Sue and I both love. The show is Physical on Apple Plus, starring the amazing Rose Byrne. Stephanie Lang joins us. Stephanie, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. So we both love physical and you've been the uh, primary director for it congratulations it's a great great show thank you it's been a lot of fun so i love physical because one i love roseburn and two because the show talks about issues that are real and personal but don't get talked about a lot what is that what drew you into this project originally Yeah, absolutely. Like I had met Rose briefly, you know, years before I came onto the show. And I just think she's such a, she's so nuanced and such a like comedic and dramatic master and also like master of microaggressions on her face. Like you just see everything in her eyes instantly. Um, And yeah, I mean, the, the subject material was like, this is such an important show and we get to also, it's set in the 80s, which is fun. So we get to say something that's really important and set it in a, in, in, set in a very fun environment. Yeah, you know, um, Steve and I have a friend who has an eating disorder. She's anorexic. And um, she actually did a one-woman show that, ironically, I'm going to see the revised version of it tonight. And that's- it's called, Does This Show Make Me Look Fat? <laughs> and it's very, very funny. It's got, you know, it's very dark, but it's very funny. And the balance of the darkness and the light, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough subject matter to, to have levity. Um, she was able to do it in her show. 
and you guys do it beautifully. How challenging was that? I mean, it's not as challenging as you might think, because as we all know, like the thing that gets us through our days is comedy and laughter, right? I mean, I'm now I'm going to quote Alyssa Nutting, who created Made for Love, who I've worked with before. And she and I talk about the fact that like comedy is the only thing that hasn't killed us. Hmm. So, you know, so not as hard as one would think, because we just approach it from a very real place. And sometimes it's completely absurd. It just is. Um, and I think when you just approach the subject from matter from like a place of honesty, then the performance is honest, the subject matter is honest. And then it is it is those who can find comedy and levity and things will find it. Um, and if and if they can't, that's okay too, because it is quite dark. Uh, not hyperbole. Rose Byrne is really one of my favorite actresses. She is so good. I think of her from Damages. Which was such a great, and then I think of her from Bridesmaids, and I'm like, um, the range she's got is amazing. And she, as you said, she sort of walks that line between the two. Paul uh, Sparks was on the show, I think last week, two weeks ago, said Rose deserves to win all the awards for this. Uh, Tell me about why she's perfect in this role. She's so relatable, right? I mean, and I mean, she's gorgeous, but she, I think, what she does is. Again, like she balance, she rides that balance between comedy and drama so well. And you love her no matter what, despite any bad choices that Sheila may make, or despite um, how, how bad her inner voices might have been about other people, you still love her. And I think Rose does this very specific thing that um, she's just fearless. Like she just, you know, this season, when I said, you know, when Annie wrote, you know, who created the show and she wrote, she gets in a bathtub of chocolate chip cookies. And I was like, great, we need 3000 of them. Uh, <laughs> and Rose, we're going to do this. She just, she's fearless and she's, she's vulnerable and just not afraid to go there. So I think that's sometimes really unique. So is she basically a, a director's dream? Yes. She's a dream. <laughs> now, now, now when someone is so brilliant and, and, and so locked in, um, how do you direct someone like that? Well, you know, I've been obviously lucky to be on the show for such a long time. So I've done 20, 24 of 30 episodes. Um, the way I approach it, again, is sort of from a place of honesty. And what's great about someone like Roser, for me, being on the show for that long, is that I, I've been able to track little tiny nuances within the character or things that Sheila did in certain episodes that we can call back to a future one. So sometimes it's as simple as let you should pull a wedgie out of your leotard in this episode because you did it last season in this moment. And so we're sort of like, it's it, to be honest, it feels like the show is really a mind meld between Annie and Rose and myself, because we're just, we live it so much that we just, so directing it um, becomes fun because we're just calling back to all these things. Or we remember, or I'm like, Oh, we shot this that way. Let's shoot it a different way this time. And really for me, for me and Annie, like it's always about the emotion of the show and how we move the cameras based on the emotion and the point of view, because it really is such a point of view show. So directing her, as you said earlier, is like, is she really is a dream to direct because she's fearless, but also we just have a mind meld. Yeah, I'm so empathetic when I see Sheila in those scenes when, you know, the chocolate chip cookies or whenever she goes to the fast food restaurant and buys. All, I mean, I, I feel bad for her. You know, I f- and I don't know very much about eating disorders. It's it's not something I've I, I've had friends deal with, but I there's like a a privacy to it that you guys pierce. Um, and 
I'm wondering if when you shoot scenes like that, is a really quiet set? Um, do, do you keep things quiet because it's so intense and it's so personal and private? Yeah, we do. I mean, we have a very, very safe set. I mean, I think, and that includes being quiet. I mean, we have an incredible crew that I've also, most of them have been with us since the beginning um, and really respect that process. But we we were very quiet and specifically in those scenes, um, you can hear a pen drop, you know, and sometimes when when she's doing it, when she's eating again, like in the bathtub scene and she's just shoving the cookies in her mouth and I'm kind of yelling out directions of like how to eat the cookie to make it go faster on camera. Then when she does like that in that particular moment, there's a line where she's like, she screams at, you know, imaginary Kelly to stop it. And I mean, water just burst from my eyes, you know, and I looked at Annie and she had the same reaction and she had to step away. And we all were like, okay, let's gather ourselves back together. And, you know, and then we obviously move on to the next scene, which might be a little more light, you know, to handle. Yeah, I remember that scene where um, uh, she has a conversation with with uh, with Danny or Rory about her illness. And he shoves that cream puff in her mouth. And it was, oh, God, just such a violation, you know, um, did did Rose always know that was going to happen? Are there surprises? to the actors in moments, certain moments? Yeah, there are surprises. That that was scripted and Rose knew that was going to happen. There was a lot of conversation about that, as you can imagine, right? Mm-hmm. And Rory is such an, an incredible actor. Again, somebody who comes from comedy, but when he pulls the drama, ugh, it's just, it's so interesting to watch. You almost can't take your eyes off of him. And also as a character, like he's kind of a train wreck, right? So that moment, we talked about that a lot. And we did a lot, we had a lot of conversation about in season two, when he really confronts her on it, and she closes the bathroom door on him and is like, I'm not, I'm not going to let you in. And I think that's one of the biggest things with their relationships that he, she's only going to let him see so much of her. So season three, there's a new antagonist, and it's uh, played by Zoe Deschanel. She's played by Zoe Deschanel. And her character like taunts and pushes and argues with Sheila. And it's obviously the voice inside her head. And when I'm, when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, yeah, I wonder the voice inside my head is also very mean to me. Um, so, so it's really readily, uh, relatable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think some people, I, I want to meet someone who doesn't have an inner voice that's mean to them because mine is also equally mean <laughs> to me. Um, and I think what's interesting about this season, as you said, like we've, you know, Zoe comes in, she's playing this, you know, two characters essentially, and one of whom in real life is, you know, represents the, um, or real life on the show represents like the golden era of television, right? She's an actress, she can sing, dance, do it all, right? And, and Sheila develops this kind of parasocial relationship to her. And so, and so when she manifests herself as Rose's inner dialogue, it's like, uh, you know, it's us kind of taking that next level, right? So her her voiceover disappeared in season two towards the end. And we don't, her voice, her actual Rose's voice doesn't come back until episode five, I think of season three. It's all, it's all played by, you know, Zoe. And we improved a lot of that, hmm. which was fun because it's really freeing to like be on a set where women are just completely insulting each other with the worst <laughs> possible and, and laughing about it afterwards. So at what point did you guys discuss the idea that another voice was going to go in in Rose's head? 
I think that um, Annie, again, who created the series, kind of always had that in mind for season three. Mm-hmm. And so I read stuff like kind of as a surprise to me. I like to have, I like to be surprised. So like, I didn't really know that she was planning that until I got the first script for season three. Um, and then was completely blown away and excited about, you know, where she wanted to take it. And then of course the choice for it to be Zoe was really exciting because I think, you know, she does such an incredible job of being both people, even down to the way, you know, when she's imaginary Kelly, the way she walks, she Mm. has a very distinct kind of, you know, bobble to her. Yeah. You know, I didn't even, I didn't even look at the credits. You know, sometimes I'm the kind of person that doesn't want to know anything before I see something. A lot of times I don't even want to know who's in it. Right. So when her character first came out, I didn't even know it was Zoe Deschanel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to recognize her, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 We have, uh, I love that she's like, you know, got this blonde wig on and these two different looks. I mean, we created an entire backstory for her character as, as imaginary Kelly and as real Kelly that she was on a TV talk show or not a talk show. She was on a TV uh, sitcom in the eighties playing like a lifeguard at a rundown facility. And like (laughs) wardrobe is very distinctly like, it's a lifeguard, but she's wearing these short shorts that are completely impractical as being a lifeguard and also wedges. Cause we just thought that's probably what the network executives would have screen tested and said was sexy and cool. So like, let's give her, you know, she can't be wearing flip flops, but she can wear wedges around the pool. <laughs> so I'm a child of the eighties uh, yeah. and my mom did aerobics. I remember her wearing leg warmers and I think everybody's mom was wearing leg warmers at that point and going to jazzercise or aerobics or some of that stuff. So there's kind of this nostalgia that goes along with this show. And it seems like you guys have a lot of fun with the eighties and sort of that era and that time, right? We have so much fun. And I have to say our choreographer, Jen Hamilton, just nails it every time. I mean, she's so good again, because you talk about the emotion of the show, but she's so good at working in the dialogue into the movements and, and Sheila's progression as a teacher, like through the seasons. And you kind of like, if you're paying attention, she gets better at some things and not better at others. Um, and also the, you know, the role of Greta, you know, played by Deirdre, that my first episode with her, she like, you know, didn't, wasn't really accepting of her body. We've all been in a, a group class where we've sucked and had to, you know, hide in the back or, you know, leave. And in the case of her first scene with me, she, you know, she hid in the back and I was like, you can't do these hip rolls, but by the end of the season, you're going to be able to do them. And by the end of, you know, season three, um, she's more than, you know, accepted her body in, in a completely different way. So it's, the aerobic stuff is the music with the choreography and just, we have uh, also an incredible a camera operator, Mark Moore, who gets in there with a steady cam yeah. and into every single, you know, crevice as it were. <laughs> So uh, how? Oh, go ahead. Sure, I wanted to follow yeah. up on that. Yeah, sure. sure. Uh, Deirdre is it Deirdre Freel? Yeah. Um, who plays Greta? I, you know, she is so good. Um, I moderated a Q and A once with David O. Russell, who said, and it was for the movie The Fighter, mm-hmm. and he said about Christian Bale. Whenever Christian Bale is on screen, he's the cat, the one you can't take your eyes off of. And that's what, uh, what Deirdre is for me. I, she's the cat on physical. She's such an interesting actor to watch. I haven't seen any of her other work, but what, what makes her the cat? She is going to be so happy that you said that. <laughs> um, she's the cat because 
again, she just plays things so real. And I think the surprise storyline and physical is the, the female friendship aspect of it, right? And so when you meet them, you know, Sheila can't meet Greta where she is emotionally or mentally, but by the end, obviously she can. I think that Greta, Deirdre, just plays things from a very honest point of point of view. And there's just something incredibly love about her. And, and again, very vulnerable about her in a completely different way than with Rose's character, right? So you cannot take your eyes off of her because her performance is so nuanced and she's just so watchable and lovable and just gives it everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. Their, their relationship to me was the most fun to watch because they, they kind of, their, their vulnerabilities, I mean, it, they really mirror each other, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and then they, then they kind of turn on one another, you know, like, and, and Greta, you know, ends up being somebody that, that Sheila can kind of divulge her story to and, and kind of open up to, and then they clash. And, um, I find that, I find that really interesting and real because I think that, and I, I have friends, you know, like I, I was a stand up for many, many years. And there were times where like a really good friend would get something and someone else wouldn't get it or they had or, or maybe a, a friend had a certain style that the other person envied and, and wanted to have that style. So they may have been kind of nasty to that person. So it's like, like the things that your shortcomings that maybe that you you see in some you see in yourself that you that you maybe see in somebody else. Sometimes you lash out at that person because it's it's kind of who you are. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's that thing that you hate, that you hate about yourself that you put onto someone, like you projected onto someone else. Yes. I think like there is a scene. Um, well, the episode's already aired. It came out two weeks ago or last week, I think. Um, it's episode seven where the, you know they have their final like like co- confrontation, right? Because they have ups and downs and they fight through the seasons. And yeah. Last season, you know, it gets really bad. But one of my favorite lines of the entire season is when Rose when Rose uh, when Sheila tells Greta she's better than her. You know, hmm. meaning Greta is better than Sheila, and that acknowledgement, and you just you see it, you know, on Greta's face, and she's like, "All right, I'm with you." Like, because it's just that to me was like one of the most important things for her to say in their in their friendship, in the course of their friendship, and also like Deirdre's character is the only one that Rose's character really lets her see all of her. So Sheila is like, "I'm going to sh- eventually, over the course of three seasons, show you all of me." and tell and be completely vulnerable with you and no one else gets to see Sheila that way. So mm-hmm. this is a show about a woman created by a woman directed primarily by a woman. What's that dynamic like? And did it take women? Do you think to be able to tell this story with such uh, sensitivity? I, first of all, I think it's, it was, it's incredible, right? It's completely bittersweet that it's ending, but it's also, we knew this is the way we wanted to go out and we're like, we can't believe we had a show about it, disordered eating on the on on the air, really, you know. Um, and we surprisingly do get messages from, you know, I mean, not surprisingly, we get a lot of messages from women, but surprisingly, we get stuff from men too who mm. have disordered eating who relate to the show, which is really kind of, you know, being them being vulnerable and really nice um, to to tell us that. I think that um, I think it did in this case take women because it is that inner voice is kind of specific with what she's saying to herself. Right. And, and the body image and just, I think that it did take women, although having said that Craig Gillespie did the pilot and it's brilliant and he has a way of really getting in there. So 
you know, he he really started the, the series off visually. And I think if it was, you know, a slow moving camera, it would, could be quite possibly a, quite a different show a more depressing show about disordered eating that nobody would, would maybe want to watch. So we have to definitely credit Craig for that. And then I think as it progressed, um, it just became a mind meld between the three of us and also Deirdre. Like we just understand how you feel about your body and certain parts of your body that maybe men, you know, we don't have the same body parts. So. Right, right. Now I know that Annie, who created the show, she has a personal connection to eating disorders. Um, uh, anybody else on the show have a personal connection towards that? I mean, that, I, that, that, that you found out and shared yeah. during the course of filming? No, I mean, I would say, I mean, listen, like Annie and I've talked about my own relationship to food. I mean, I certainly don't have a healthy one. And so I think I also related to it in that sense, you know, with my own version of disordered eating. And I think, I think we just let everyone feel very vulnerable about, about that. And also not even maybe disordered eating, but just like how you feel about your body and kind of embracing that, you know? And so you could just see like the women on the crew and the men just being really celebratory when we would do the aerobic scenes and just like, we're like every, body type matters and is so interesting and sometimes just you know that was the one thing that I found surprising too when I did research on disordered eating because you have this idea that it's always thin it's always thin and it's not true it's just it's not true so I think you know really I think we're very proud of how we portrayed that disordered eating in such an honest way so towards the end of uh, the west wing I was interviewing Richard Schiff and there was a big election uh, that ended the West Wing. It was Jimmy Smith's character versus Alan Alda's character. It's amazing, amazing finale. And so there's a couple episodes left. And I said, so Richard, how's it turn out? And he said, do you really want to know? And I realized, no, I don't want to know. I wanted to see it play out. So I'm, I'm wondering without giving anything away about the, the finale, finales are hard. Yeah. Uh, did did you and Annie and Rose spend a lot of time figuring out how how to end this story? We did, and and including like this, you know, the storytelling of it, including the the way we did it visually. So we switched things a little bit. Um, Apple let us try some crazy stuff in the opening that I still can't believe we got to do. Uh, it has to do with motion motion control. So anyway, because uh, we've done so many different montages and different you know aerobic stuff, I was like, we got to mix it up and just really let's go for broke and try something. So we did. Um, and I would say that uh, it's a very satisfying ending and recovery is a long road. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, listen, uh, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you. We're huge fans of the show. Just a couple of episodes left, but the whole show is available um, on, on stream uh, at Apple plus um, Stephanie, congrats again on the show. And we really appreciate you taking some time. Uh, we, we can't wait to see how it all ends. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so I'm glad you guys are fans. That's exciting. There you have it. There's Stephanie Lang. And again, if you've not watched uh, physical, it is such a great show. It is such, I always say with, with shows, you'll say that reminds me of or it's kind of a cross between this and you can't say any of that stuff about physical. It's, it's just completely original and, and weird and touching and just, just a completely unique show. Yeah. And you know, not an easy subject to, uh, to tackle. And I think also, you know, I, I brought up, you know, Kathy's show. I have seen it from workshop to finished product. Right. Um, I was product. at one of the, performances yes, yes. Yeah. 
And, you know, she really struggled with the show, uh, in the beginning. And I think that people that came to see different versions of it, I think it's, it's something that is just not accessible to a lot of people. Yeah. Right. Eating disorder. Like, I don't know a lot of people that have, Kathy's the only person I know that has an eating disorder. Yeah. So it's something like, you know, everybody hears about people who have cancer. You always know someone who had cancer or who had, you know, whatever, you know, asthma or, or something. But this is something that, that is, is, is just not out there as much. So what they did, I think was such a, such a service also besides the entertainment factor to people who are really struggling with this. Yeah. No you know? question. No question. And I hope they nailed the, uh, the finale. They do. They do? Good. Good. That's all I want to, like, any show, I'm like, yeah, did you stick the landing on the finale? I'm trying to think, what what recently, Better Call Saul was, I hope they stick the landing on the finale, because it's really, really hard to nail it, you know? Yeah, and, you know, look, we know how hard it is to nail it, yet as a as a fan, you don't want to be disappointed because you've taken this ride all these seasons yeah and you want it to be as great you want to leave on a high note yep you know so i can't wait to see it can't wait to see it um all right so uh a little business here don't forget if you're watching the show thank you uh on youtube uh subscribe to our channel and you'll always see the pictures that go along with the words um and uh let me see oh and leave a comment if you leave a comment, it helps us with the algorithm. And if you leave a comment and then send us an e- email, maceandsue at gmail.com, we will send you a Culture Pop t- uh, Culture Pop Podcast t-shirt. Uh, and of course, we're on Apple, Spotify. Please subscribe. Give us a five-star review. Leave us a, uh, a review, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, we appreciate that. And again, we've got those very cool. Sue, you don't have one yet. Not yet. But did you see the picture I sent you yesterday? Yes. Uh, Milos. Milos, who is our sound engineer, who is in Serbia. We sent him a a, a, a Culture Pop podcast t-shirt. He sent us a picture back. uh, Very proud wearing it. We appreciate everything he does for the show. He's been with us really since the beginning, almost the very beginning. Um, and he's such a great guy and we appreciate what he does so much. And it's cool to see that picture. I'm going to share that on my social media. Yes. Ready? I'm going to, I'm going to share it on mine as well. Awesome. Put it on your Facebook page. Yeah. And hopefully I don't, I don't want to laugh for that. No, don't want to laugh, but you know, <laughs> leave a comment, please. <laughs> Sue is desperate for comments on Facebook. All right. Uh, thank you very much for uh, watching and for listening. We appreciate you guys a lot. Uh, Sue, great seeing you. And we will see everybody next time on the Culture Pop Podcast.